This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. to another world of UX podcast. This is Darren Hood and I am your host for this show. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. Welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time and we hope that you will take the time to subscribe. We hope that you are getting something out of the podcast thus far. Very happy to be able to spend time speaking to you and sharing with you on today and hope that folks get a lot out of what it is that we are discussing here. And on this podcast, we talk about any and everything related to the world of user experience. We've spent time already talking about the history of user experience. We talked about some major historical milestones associated with UX. We we started off the podcast, actually the first two weeks, really defining what user experience is. And we we're making a transition Today, we're going to be covering the second part of a topic, the quest for UX maturity, where we're spending some time talking about maturity levels, the models associated with those maturity levels, and focusing only on one model for now. We'll talk about some other ones maybe another time, uh, but we're going to pick up right where we left off last week and with, as we normally do, a quick recap, followed by an expansion on the topic. And it's it's sort of good that we only talked about a certain part of the maturity level model that Jacob Nielsen published, one of the first of the maturity level models that were published out there in a the while for us to partake of. Uh, we covered three levels, and his model has eight different levels, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's do our quick recap and we're going to build on everything and we're hoping to get through all eight levels and talking about what they are today and what constitutes achieving each of those levels. Our segue into this topic was really important because we looked at what UX is again the first two weeks. The second two weeks, we talked about major historical milestones associated with user experience. And that made for a a really nice transition into this topic, because one of the things that we talked about was how that companies started moving towards UX, started valuing having UX personnel and operations teams within their organizations. But the problem was that a lot of companies, although they... They have UX positions, even still today in 2020, they have UX positions, they have people on board, they have teams. Sometimes you have a team of one, there are teams of 10, teams of 20, whatever it is. We still have a problem today where there's a lack of knowledge about what UX really is, which ties directly into our topic of the quest for UX maturity. A lot of people, especially from 2015 to today, there's really been a huge boom. UX constantly appears as a major career move, one of the fastest growing positions that you see in the tech world. A lot of people look at it that way or in the creative world. No matter where UX sits in different organizations, it is growing 
quite a bit. Unfortunately, because maturity levels lack, people suffer. So we have that historical milestone taking place from 2015 to 2020, but the the maturity level isn't happening. People are being hired to run UX departments that have no prior experience. People are being hired to be members of UX teams, not really qualified. And that's not to mean that you can't put someone who's an entry-level person into the position. We were all entry-level UX professionals at some point in time. So it's actually ludicrous to think that that's not the case. The thing is that when you have organizations that don't know what UX is, how really equipped are they to hire the proper people, whether it's the person who's running the department or the people that are working in the department. And that's what uh, makes this topic so critical. And I hope people will embrace it and tap into it and, and give it some thought. Because when your organization lacks maturity, which is one thing, actually, to lack maturity is one thing, but what you go after, what's your, what are your goals? Do you recognize where you are? Do you recognize what you need to do to advance your UX operation. You don't want to be the company that has a UX operation but has no idea what value it brings, has no idea how to integrate that UX operation into your into your processes and, and the design methodologies that work in your organization. So So this is extremely critical. But at any rate, today, 2020, We won't spend a whole lot of time looking back into the past. Let's just look at today. And what is a UX maturity level? Here's your your recap. What is a UX maturity level? Well, UX maturity level basically describes various levels of organizational evolution and operation as it pertains to user experience. And that probably sounds really... Uh, like a lot of fluff to some people. Can we get a little bit more practical with that? What What is a UX maturity level? It basically, think in lines of, let's say that uh, you have first floor, second floor, third floor, fourth, fifth. Uh, I think that, that paints the picture. Let's say that when you first start to operate in UX, you're automatically on the first floor. There, you're, you're not going to go to the second or the third. A lot of people today have a microwave-oriented mindset when it comes to where they're going in UX. Nobody can do that. You're not going to learn UX in six months, and you're not going to ascend to higher levels, the highest levels, I should say, of UX maturity quickly. It's always going to be a process. It's always going to happen in pieces. There are always going to be milestones in your organization, and these all have to be pursued methodically. So think of, again, those five floors and say there's a beginning floor. Think of the second, third, and fourth as somewhat intermediate with the fourth maybe being medium to high, and then the fifth level would be the highest. So that's what I'll give you in trying to paint this picture uh, of what a UX maturity level is. It's based on how well you operate. It's based on the UX strategy that you have in place. How will you engage with your stakeholders? What are your plans? How will you manage the work that's coming into your, into your team, things of that nature. So 
UX maturity has a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. We're going to try to address these as best we can in the time allotted. But I just want to paint the picture of what a UX maturity level is a little bit differently than I did last week, building on the definition that I did share with everyone. So again, why are UX maturity levels an important business factor? We talked about this last week. And basically, the more mature an organization is, the stronger your UX maturity level is, the better you're going to function, the better talent you're going to be able to draw. We didn't talk about that last week. The more you'll be able to sell stakeholders on value, so your communication with people in the organization will be better. And remember, it's 2020, but a lot of people still don't know what UX is. And if people don't know what UX is, you can't just walk into a room, although people tried to do this, you can't just walk into the room, mention UX, and feel that people are just going to understand what it is that you're talking about. Remember, and I'm going to talk about this in an upcoming podcast, you have what I refer to as the four pillars of UX. When you say UX, you're talking about a whole wave of different disciplines, methods, methodologies that are being put to work to achieve a particular goal. UX is not just one thing. Many people think of it that way. So, But if their maturity level is not very high and you assume that they're going to understand what it is that you're talking about, you're going to be sorely mistaken. And that's going to be a bit painful. When you try to get the work done, and I know a lot of UX professionals out there uh, know exactly what I'm talking about. We go through this on a regular basis where you mention something about UX and you think that they get it and they don't. And so now you hit this bump in the road and it's because of the where the maturity level is. If the maturity level is higher, you can communicate more effectively. You can communicate faster and you don't have to spend a whole lot of time not defending your recommendations we should always be in a position all you ux professionals should always be in a position where we are ready to i use the word defend and i I don't want to create a picture of defensiveness we always have to be in a position where we can validate we can help people to understand why we're making a particular Recommendation. Some people still think of that as defense. Technically, it is defense, but I just don't want people to jump at that word defense because people will make assumptions. We don't just say something and people are supposed to adhere to it. Remember, when we come into a meeting, no matter how mature the UX is in your organization, whenever UX comes to a meeting and we're all sitting at the conference room table and we're all talking about a project and you have anywhere between... Uh, maybe eight to 15 different disciplines that are represented in that room at that time. UX is always the baby in the room. That's the way I like to put it. Always the baby in the room. UX is the one that people don't understand. People understand QA. People understand project management. They understand uh, uh, the account executives. They understand the developers that are in the room. Everybody understands all of the disciplines that are in the room, but UX is something that people are still learning. So again, that's what makes this topic so critical because it's actually very, very rare for someone in an organization to be dedicated to driving 
UX maturity for an organization. I've done it before at a job I had in the past. We did a fantastic job of it. Uh, And not only did I take care of the maturity level and rank the maturity level for the organization and was signed off on by by leaders above me when I was managing UX at a a major uh, uh, company, um, a global company, but I also, to help drive that maturity level, I had a methodology, a philosophy that I came up with where not only did we have the maturity level of the organization that we were looking at and trying to manage, but I assigned maturity levels to each project. I assigned maturity levels to stakeholders. And all of these things helped me to execute, to plan a strategy for any of the work that I was doing so that we could optimize operation no matter what was going on. So when you identify, well, this group has a lower maturity level, so that means I need to operate with them a particular way. There's another group over here. Their maturity level is higher. They've engaged with UX a lot more. They know how things work. When I use certain terminology, they understand it. They don't get mock-up and wireframe mixed up. (laughs) That's something that's pretty common out there. But I'm sort of painting the picture again without getting into some of the maturity levels. So why why don't we jump into that uh, right now? But again, the more mature an organization is, the better you'll be able to operate, the more you will outperform your competition, the stronger of a UX operation you have. And so now that range, that ROI that NASA and IBM came up with for every dollar you invest, you you can gain a return on investment up to $240. You will be on the higher end of that ROI because of the maturity that's in place. Instead of spending time defending things or or literally bickering sometimes with, with stakeholders, some people do, uh, you can actually just continue to move forward. And so that, that calls for some patience as well on our part as, as UX professionals, because people don't always get it. And when they don't get it, then we need to make sure that we're patient so that we can allow people the time to develop, allow people the time to learn. But again, I want to make sure I get to the maturity levels today so we can uh, tell you what each of those levels are. So UX maturity levels provide a means of examination. Uh, you can use the maturity levels to see where are we now Where can we go? Where should we go? And then you can develop strategies on how to get there. So we talked about hostility toward usability. That was one of the main ones. Uh, That's where a lot of companies are. That's the first level. We talked about developer-centered usability. There are a lot of companies where the developers lead the design charge. And if the developers lead the design charge, frankly, there's going to be a lot of trouble Because, number one, the persona of a developer and the persona of a UX professional are completely different. And the things that we look for, the things that we're focusing on are completely different. And for that reason, I love my developer friends. I know some extremely talented developers, but our minds are in two completely different places. So if you want to achieve the absolute best in any given project, it is critical that everybody stay in their lane and respect the vehicle in the other lane or you will have an accident or you will have 
quote unquote traffic jams. If you can, if you get that example that I'm, I'm giving you. So, uh, remember developer centered usability is on the low end of the UX maturity level grid. Number three is Skunkworks. And Skunkworks is defined as stakeholders not relying upon the value of the expert opinion. Have you ever been in a meeting where someone said, well, that's your opinion? And I have. Uh, I know a lot of people who have. It's, it's relatively common. There is a difference between opinion and expert opinion. And when people uh, want to fight against expert opinion, that is going to hinder the progress that you can make from a UX perspective. So, so it's interesting that, and the reason that we mentioned those three again is that uh, not only just from a recap perspective is that a lot of companies find themselves stuck right there in that circle and they never get beyond skunk works. And you know that you've gotten beyond skunk works when you have established what is mentioned at level four, a dedicated usability budget, a budget that is dedicated to the UX department, whether it's salaries, whether it's software, whether it's different types of tools and resources that are used to, to operate in an optimal fashion. Once you establish a budget, that means that somebody in leadership is on board. That means that someone has decided that the UX team has something of value to contribute. And when a company realizes that the UX team has something to contribute, they will spend money. So you might spend a lot of time circling around those first three levels of hostility toward usability, developer-centered design, and skunkworks. But once you convince someone you can finally get a budget. And that's when you know that you're making progress. And another beautiful thing about that is that, and this is great, especially from a measurement perspective, that when you start to have wins and look for that low-hanging fruit in your organization, the more low-hanging fruit you find, the more wins you could get, and the more likely you are to proceed beyond level three and to get to level four so that you can get that sign off so that you can get somebody to be willing to spend 30, 40 or $50,000 for remote usability testing software or to spend $5,000 a year for three optimal workshop licenses so you can do more, more card sorting or tree testing or things of that nature. Nobody is going to give your UX operation money if they're not going to get a return on that investment. So level four is a dedicated usability budget. Next, you have managed usability. And this is as far as we're going to be able to get today. But managed usability is not where now you have this structure. Now you have processes in place. Now your UX strategy is starting to be executed and people are paying attention to it. People are finding value in it. And so now with that strategy in place, it's more likely that we get invited to meetings and projects earlier on. It's less likely now that we get brought on board too late. Can you see it? You see how it's critical to understand and pay attention to these maturity levels and what each level has to offer? Managed usability is a major, major plus, but we have to work to get there because nobody's going to just give it to us because we throw the acronym UX around. 
Folks, that's all the time that we have for today. And so we will wrap this topic up next week. Until next time, this is Darren Hood. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.